That yes. was four hours worth of water. Let's go. Hopefully you have four hours worth of energy to talk about hockey in the summertime. No. Just, just that's, that's it's not a thing. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast, your favorite hockey fraudcast. What is a fraudcast, you ask? Us. It's a hockey podcast that's barely about hockey. And why is that, boys? Because it's summertime and there's not much to talk about. But, hey, we'll find a way to make this show almost an hour, probably, maybe. Today, we are joined by Mr. Endo Mills. And returning for the first time in a month and a half. Maybe that long, yeah. It's been a while. Five weeks, I think, or so. Probably. Sin, yeah. you're home. Hi, I'm hello. Home. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. It's good to be back. Is I have it? A lot, of, a lot of people to thank. No, it's horrible. <laughs> I came back, and it's immediately like 90 to 100. This weekend, it's going to be 110. Which, for Endo out there, it's like almost 45. Yeah. Yeah, it's hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. California dreaming. Sin yeah. for the win. So as we get today going, right, obviously we'll have our viewer questions. We will talk some hockey. There hasn't been a ton in the past week because, LOL, how else are we going to get through the summer unless we talk about how Eric Carlson hasn't been traded until September? Sin. Yeah, I don't like that. Hmm. You're, yeah, I was going to say. Did you think Eric Carlson would still be a shark by the time you got back? No, not really. Like, I knew that's a possibility, but all signs are pointing to Tim being out the door. Um, I, I know things have started to heat up talk-wise, and it's starting to get to the point where they're narrowing down the likely teams, but that also happened near the deadline, too. Um, so, right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's harder during the season, you can argue, to, like, make a big trade like that. But still, I just, you know, want it over with um, Don't at this all. point. Especially considering, like, I, and now it's like, well, I, I keep hearing that the Sharks are in on Tarasenko, which is weird. Who else has the money to give him at this that's, stage? You know, that's true. And, like, hey, you can flip him at the deadline. But also, like, Michael Mises next year. Do mm. you want to... Do you want to risk like not having that brilliant lottery? So I don't know, man. I feel like, but then again, we're probably inserting every single young guy into the lineup. Like Bordelow's probably coming. Uh, Eklund's definitely going to be in the lineup. Like I mm. doubt that they're going to, you know, boost us to be this playoff team. But you never know what kind of team we're going to completely be next season. So hey, that is true. Although fun fact, Michael Meese is twenty twenty five. 2024, oh. you have the... Yeah, so see, this year, you could be good. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> but why yeah, this think, year... Oh. I don't know. It's okay. 2024 draft him is... up. That's why. Macklin Celebrini, Cole Iserman, Ivan Demidoff, another... I can't wait, by the way. It's going to be an entire year of Matt Vemichkov 2.0 with Ivan Demidoff and whether or not he drops out of the top three, top five. I, yeah. I can't wait going to be the same damn script but speaking of of that like since you were in finland when the stanley cup was won mm -hmm. by the vegas golden knights yeah i haven't got to talk about that 
You haven't gotten to talk about that, the draft, free agency. I mean, if there are any lingering thoughts, I mean. To be honest, the Sharks draft, I think they knocked it out of the park. Besides not getting Michkov, I still would have liked Michkov. Because if, but then with who that we've been signing and like grabbing, it's like, okay, do they maybe like my, my whole thing was like Greer initially said at the draft, yeah, we're likely not going to pick someone who's going to be on the team in the next two to three years. But then we literally pick the most, arguably the most NHL-ready person besides Bedard, obviously. Like, Will Smith is arguably the most NHL-ready person. Like, Carlson's probably going to play in Europe. Um, Fantelli in Columbus. Fantelli. Mm, I think he's going to go college. I mean, I would to get away from Mike Babcock, but. Yeah, like, that's <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, arguably, I, I I don't know, looking at all the, whatever, um, everything I read, but who knows? People say shit all the time about drafts. I still would have liked Michkov because I think his ceiling is just so fucking high. And your plan as a shark should not be to try to turn this around too quickly, I don't think. I think that's when you get in trouble. And so this whole talk about them maybe going for Tarasenko, I don't know. I don't think it fits into the uh, long-term plans, but who, who the hell knows? Um but yeah, Musty is incredible. Like grabbing Musty, grabbing uh, Kenyoni. Like those are three very, very likely NHLers that we have. And that if you get three NHLers out of one draft, you fucking knocked out of the park, in my opinion. So what I'm hearing is the good with the bad. Vegas wins the Stanley Cup. And- yeah, like I don't care about that as much, honestly. Like, again, yeah. like I said, it happened when I'm in Finland. So I, I have the beauty to not give a shit. And now so much time has passed. All the hype has died down. Vegas True. has already moved on to the next cool thing. Uh, <laughs> shout out to the A's, actually, for taking all this talk uh, away from Vegas winning the cup about the goddamn A's. Mm. Uh, the draft <laughs> happens. Free agency happens. It's what, very like, difficult to go back and cover a lot, but yeah, any other lingering thoughts in regards no, not to those? Really. Not even necessarily about the Sharks. This wasn't even that big of a free agency either, so I'm kind of okay with like not missing it or missing it. I'm kind of surprised Tyler because he didn't say with the Bruins. That's nuts to me. And then yeah. the Bruins traded Hall. I think I feel like they fumbled the bag right there, but that's just me. So the you know we we had talked about this when you were gone. Like the Bruins yeah. didn't inherently trade Taylor Hall to be able to keep Bertuzzi. It would have been nice, but it wasn't the the absolute. So yeah, speak. no. I just think why do you trade Taylor Hall if you're not going to keep Bertuzzi? That's my thought on it. I think they thought they were going to keep Bertuzzi, and then Bertuzzi was like, "Oh, here's a bunch of money," mm, and yeah. then the Bruins like, "No," and then they're like, "Oh, we'll get it in free agency." They didn't, at least not with the term that they thought, given it's a one-year deal with the Leafs. So, mm. One of those things. But, buddy, it's good to have you back. I mean, you know, not as if we haven't talked. We've been playing a lot of NHL 2K10 on stream as of late. Just that's been... Oh, honestly, like we talked about the fact that, like, yeah, let's play a bunch of NHL 2K10, but I didn't think we were going to start playing it so soon. And uh, especially... I. I I wouldn't say the the fun we've had has been surprising, really. I mean, it's what a it's, game! It's such a, a good game, and the fact that we can all play it like a couch co op is is honestly the best. Again, NHL like EA, if you put this in NHL, like we would play that. 
but yeah. we can't. Like, I mean, yeah, as as quote unquote, you know, bad as the game can be, it still would be fun to play like with a full five or six against AI and be able to trade people as a group. And I mean, yeah, the content level for that is just incredible. It is. And uh, well, hey, we can uh, we can keep pushing. We can keep dreaming. (laughs) So we'll get into some viewer questions before that, though, as always, we need to mention that this podcast is brought to you by our lovely friends at Manscaped. Dot com who want to remind you that you can use code 2 against T-O-U-G-I-E for 20% off your first order. Get free shipping as well. And did you just yeet your deodorant? What the hell happened? Yeah, I had it in my hand and I tried to flip it and catch it to be cool and then I completely, completely ate shit. It completely ate shit. So Good yeah. job. Manscaped, get the proper tools <laughs> and don't drop your tools. Keep yourself nice and clean and fresh in the summer. Yeah. It was the it was the deodorant. So the reason why I'm laughing is before we recorded this show, I had a doctor's appointment. Then after that, went and got some odds and ends at the local Walmart. Um, and uh, we went and grabbed uh, the finest product a, a person can get for their their kitchen cleaning purposes. That being a scrub daddy. Oh yeah. And my fiance grabs said scrub daddy. <laughs> And attempts to basketball shoot the thing into a normal size shopping cart from three feet away. She ripped Oh it. no. Oh. <laughs> oh, just, oh I, I was uh, dying. I was absolutely no, no dying pass- laughing. Basketball playing children, that's for sure. <laughs> God, no. No, they'll have. She, all she does is just look at me and she says. This is why I, this is why I played music and didn't play sports. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was incredible. Manscaped.com, Kotuki, T-O-U-G-I-E. Some viewer questions from the fine folks over on the Tugi's Cafe Discord. Again, the link is in the description, whether or not you are listening or watching this show, or perhaps you're listening, but on YouTube. Hey, who knows? Uh, first question comes from AJ. You are now the manager of a pro beer pong team. Yes, this is a real thing. Who from the NHL directory are you putting on your team? The what? Oh, like Twitch. Uh, yeah. Uh, who's Basically, who's the biggest dude bro in the NHL community? Uh, I'm putting OG Kevin Bacon on mine. Yep. <laughs> yeah, OG 100%. <laughs> I win. <laughs> That's that's not even necessary. I don't even think he plays NHL anymore, but I'm still doing it. Before every <laughs> shot, here we are. Was UFC. <laughs> yeah. And I don't blame him in the slightest. God damn. Uh, oh, but man. yeah, that, that's the unanimous answer is, is one OG. Yeah. Kevin Bacon on Twitch.tv. Second question from RG Dust. What is your favorite summertime activity? Going to Finland. two summers in a row so disagree with oh god it seems like a lot of fun i gotta i gotta get in on that you do favorite summertime activity dying in the heat i already answered this like a few weeks ago uh no heat stroke (laughs) oh fuck i have but damn it i don't have it um 
But yeah, dying in the heat or turning an extra level of brown. Like, you know, you're just out in the sun working all summer long. And then I, I turn from like, you know, like a respectable like color to like <laughs> charred. To, to, to bad guy in a Tyler Perry movie. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, God. Delightful. I don't know if I have an answer. I mean, I've had the tradition now. It's been three years in a row on the 4th of July. Uh, going to, again, I mentioned uh, previous outlets. I don't know. I think I mentioned it here last week with Endo. Uh, but again, just the idea of like, hey, every 4th of July, there's a family friend. They have a, a cabin on the lake. And we just go and hang out for the 4th. And this year, again, I was just constantly surrounded by like five dogs. Basically a dog sitter for the day. It was it was the best. So that's kind of becoming my new favorite thing. Aside from, you know, hanging out in front of an air conditioner uh, to not absolutely yeah. die. Um, because, you know, global warming and such. Sin, you sticking with Finland as an answer? I guess I got to be more specific. <laughs> but Maybe. Ah, yeah, I mean, for me, yeah, honestly, all the fun I've had and the most fun I've had in the summer is probably because being in fin- Yeah, I don't know. Like, it has to be like uh, looking for like a summertime activity, like a, a, an activity exclusive to summertime, because I guess that's I technically guess, yeah. not because I've you go you went in the winter. I've gone in the winter, too. Mm. Didn't really have the proper attire for most of the trip, but you went in the winter. Yeah, I did. I had great attire. You went. You went to the store and bought something for the sake. I bought of a like, neck uh, warmer. I didn't have uh, a neck okay. warmer. I didn't you, know you said, if I'd need. You said one. You'd bring a, a, a thicker coat. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I just legit. I mean, I did have a thicker coat. It was like a snowboarding jacket, but mine was good enough as long as I had like a like a thermal on as well as a shirt. And then under my <laughs> jeans, I wore like thin sweatpants. I was such a fucking Californian there. It was too, too, just an extra layer than everyone else. I got laughed at by multiple people. I was yeah. like fucking getting hit in the face by, well, people I knew. Like I'm like ah. bundled down, getting hit in the face by snow and wind. Their face is like completely free and their hair is like flying in the wind. They're just uh, like they just another fucking Tuesday for them. Right. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, I don't know. Exclusive summertime activity. Swimming? Fuck, I don't know. Like. I don't know. I'm, I'm just sticking with going to Finland. <laughs> there you go. You. Fair enough. Uh, from Bud Knight, I think I've asked this question before, but what's your go-to genre of music that you listen to? Hmm. Folksy jazz. That yours? Or are you just saying that? Oh. <laughs> I'm just saying that. <laughs> uh, honestly, what's everyone else going to say? It depends on my mood, man. It's so mood dependent. If I'm on, if I'm like driving, if I'm like driving or on a road trip, I listen to a lot of Dispatch, so that's like kind of folksy Americana type stuff. Um, if I'm gaming, it was loud. What? No, my Discord opened up. It was loud. Oh, um, if I'm gaming, usually if I'm playing like Total War Warhammer, I'll put on. I have a playlist called. It's every single Falconer album in chronological order, and I'll just play that. So essentially, power folk metal, Swedish power folk metal. Those are <laughs> those are my two go tos, man. 
I can't top that. <laughs> <laughs> I can't top that. It's not even a it's not even a what's the best question. It's just I can't top that. Mm. Tremendous. Endo, you got anything for this one? Uh what was the question? Perfect. Uh from bouncing boink boink, what's something you hate for absolutely no good rational reason? People when they tell me, hey, you have the thing, I'm like, hey, what was the question? And then they skip me answering the fucking question. For no particular <laughs> so you, reason. So you get for not paying attention. That's the reason. Dude, I fucking zoned out. I was in the fucking heat all day today, okay? Give me a fucking break. Nah. It's more fun to not. You got you got nothing you, you don't have heat. You wanna see heat? Come my way, young man. I don't want to show. <laughs> I'll show you concerning temperatures. <laughs> oh. God, Sin, what's something you hate for no good rational reason? The New York Rangers. Fair. I don't That's know a- why. Like, I really don't. So yesterday like- on Twitter, you shared... A certain post. That was a genius post, by the way. I don't know if anyone really... There's a couple people that got it, I'm sure, but I feel like it went over some heads. So you shared a post that was talking about the New York Rangers in regards to their development of young (laughs) prospects. Someone shared Rangers lineup for a game in November 2010, which was, uh, for the record, Brandon Dubinsky, Artem Anisimov, Alex Froloff, Froloff, Brandon Prust, Eric Christensen, I think it's Evgeny Grachev, Sean Avery, Brian Boyle, Ruslan Fedotenko, Derek Bogard, Derek Stepan, and I believe Ryan White. Their defense was Mark Stahl, Michael Roosevelt, Michael Delzato, Dan Girardi, Steve Eminger, I believe Kurt Sauer. It might have been Michael Sauer. Your response. An elite goalie behind a subpar team loaded with big hype prospects who never fully panned out. The Rangers are nothing if not consistent. Because uh, it's, it's true. It's true. They get carried by a goaltender and they're shit. I'm not, I'll, 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 be, I'll be fair, though. You know, they've, they've had a couple pan out this time, although Fox wasn't theirs. Um, and he's overrated still. I don't care what you guys say. Haskinen's better. Um, but Lafreniere, Kako, Heedle's okay, I guess. But like he was, you know, I don't know. Like I just feel like there's so many. Keandre Miller's solid too, but again, for like the amount of hype that are around those guys, maybe because they're original six, maybe because it's in New York, it just it's kind of like the Leafs in the way where there's so much hype around these guys. And then just fail. But to be fair, Lafreniere and Kaka were number one in what, number two picks? Or was Kaka yep. number four? Yeah. Kaka was how, two. Yeah. How the fuck are they both on the third line still or fourth line? I'm intrigued to see if they are this season. Um, cap friendly. Now, granted, this was last modified July 6th. So who the hell knows? But cap friendly had a projection of Kreider, Zabanishad, Kako, Panarin, Trocek, Wheeler, Lafreniere, Hedl, Goodrow. And then VC, Nick Benino, and Tyler Pitlick. I'd imagine that could be altered quite a bit. But yeah. it's it's weird. It's weird. 
is the best thing I can think to say. Although, obviously, we've talked about that a lot, too, with the Rangers, where it's like, hey, can you properly develop prospects for, for once, twice, no. maybe, possibly? I feel like and, anyone who gets good on that team is despite them. But, yeah, like, they're, they're, this is, like, the whole – this is a whole new story of, uh, you know, Brassard, that other guy who, who was in the middle. Uh, it was on that on, team, I think, that we just mentioned. On that team? Their yeah. middle was uh, Anisimov, Christensen, Boyle, and Stepan. Yeah, Stepan and Broussard. Remember when they were supposed to be, like, really fucking tits good? Yeah. And they never and really did. They never really got there. They couldn't take that next step. Yeah, definitely more of a, a 2C on a, a good team. 3C on a great team, could argue. Maybe. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'd, I'd call them 3C kind of anywhere. Rangers fans. <laughs> I don't care. They can suck my taint. Yeah, take that. Um, God, something I hate for no rational reason. I don't think there's anything I hate for an irrational reason. If I hate something, it's earned it. You know? Like, I, what I call it, like, pretty much you always, you usually hate stuff because of some reason. My reason's just so petty that I call hating the New York Rangers irrational. Like, it's just, Fair. yeah, some, some of their fans annoy me. The hype around Fox annoys me. And so I hate the team. <laughs> What do I hate out of pettiness? It's a loaded question. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm fully justified in my anger and my my dislike of things. So there. That's how we answer that question. Uh, for Mickey, logically speaking, how beneficial would a trade for Carlson to the Pittsburgh Penguins be? Or would that effort in trade capital and cap space better benefit being used uh, would it be better, better? Would it be more beneficial? There you go. Uh, to use it on depth forwards and other defensemen. So the idea, and apparently, I mean, the names you always see around are like Carolina and Pittsburgh in regards to Eric Carlson. So the idea of okay, Pittsburgh landing Eric Carlson right now, their defense again, according to Cap Friendly, is listed as Ryan Graves and Crystal Tang, Marcus Pedersen, Jeff Petrie, P.O. Joseph. And Jan Ruda with Chad Ruedel as a healthy scratch. And younger defensemen that are in the mix, someone like Ty Smith. Um, they do have guys like Mark Friedman, Will Butcher under contract. Uh, I don't know if any of their defensive prospects from there would be taking a big step up. Would it be more beneficial to add Eric Carlson to that or improve on their forward core? But I... I gotta go with Eric Carlson because I mentioned their defensive core, which isn't bad. But man, if you add Eric Carlson to that, damn. Yeah, yeah. Forward wise, Latang isn't a bona fide OFD anymore, correct. and he kind of was always decent two way. So put him in the top four and have him be a two way. Yeah, if you could transition Chris Latang to being more of the two way, more shutdown of the two, I do wonder how that would go. And then you could put. Someone like Ryan Graves with Jeff Petrie and then try to let Jeff Petrie gallop a little bit more. Their forwards, honestly, aren't that bad to me. I think Kyle Dubas has done a good job, and obviously he's inherited a decent amount. Uh, but it's projected as Jake Gensel, Crosby, and Brian Rust. Okay. Riley Smith, who they got for nothing, essentially. Evgeny Malkin and Ricard Raquel. By the way, Sin, yeah, uh, Riley Smith sent out from Vegas. Thoughts? Mm. That's <laughs> it's, it's fucking on brand. At least they yeah. waited till after the parade. 
Fair. Like they at least they at least fucking learned a little bit and waited till after the parade to ship him out for nothing. Yeah. Uh, Riley Smith, Evgeny Malkin, Ricardo Kell, Matt Nieto, Jeff Carter, Mikhail Granlund, Drew O'Connor, Lars Eller, and Nola Chari with Benny Hinostroza as a healthy scratch. They also have other guys like Andreas Janssen, uh, Alex Nylander. More I love the forward core. Um, I think maybe they're lacking some goal scoring here and there, mm. but you have Crosby and Malkin. And if you add the the... What forward threat could they add that mm-hmm. would provide the offense that Eric Carlson would provide from the blue line? Yeah, nothing. Not even Tarasenko. I mean, the biggest names out there still are Tarasenko, Patrick Kane. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> Who, who's worse defensively, Patrick Kane or Eric Carlson? The answer is Patrick yes. Kane. <laughs> Probably. Here's the thing. I'm going to, I think I brought this up before, but I'll bring it up again. The players, the Ted Lindsay Award, which is voted on by the players, voted, a lot of them vote, Eric Carlson was a finalist. Therefore, the players of the NHL view the trade off for him being an offensive beast to not being great defensively as very, very fair and valid. Like, <laughs> clearly, if they're voting for, if they're voting for him for the Ted Lindsay. Mm. So, like, yeah, um, I, I, Eric Carlson's better than anyone you can pick up in free agency. Um, I don't know if they should do it because it's going to cost you at least two fucking firsts, and if it doesn't, that's bad uh, on on Mike Greer's part. But he's he's instilled me with a whole lot of faith over the draft and the beginning of free agency and stuff and the things that he's done. Um, so I, I have a lot more faith in him now to make this, you know, to, to get good return. I want those first, and I want them unprotected. Yeah, because I mean, man, if you get this year, next year's first, or even the next two years first, like fuck, fuck the first from this year, you know, get the next couple years, cause and have them unprotected, cause man, if they drop out of the playoffs and Crosby retires, Malkin retires, Latang retires, all of a sudden those firsts could be lottery picks. I want to, I want to Ottawa Senators them. Like the Senators did to the Sharks, and then before them, I think it was the Senators or the Nashville did to Senators. Was that how it went? Because it, it's when you look at those oh picks God. that actually turned into top five picks. I think it was Nashville did it to the Senators, mm. and then but then the Something Senators like did it to the Sharks. So now it's our turn to do it to someone else. Are you concerned at all that it could be very similar though to the Timo Meyer trade? Absolutely, you- and it shouldn't be because he's the Norris winner. He is, but the big holdup on this potential trade is the fact that any team that gets him wants San Jose to retain salary. Well, he can retain salary. Yes, but does does that not inherently... Do you think that drives down the return the Sharks could get because of the money involved when theoretically it should... It should drive up. it up. It should in theory, but for some reason, I don't know about this trade, it just feels like it wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know why. I don't know why this, there's this weird stigma around Carlson and his contract. Um, that it, why would it drive down value? And every other every other situation, it drives up value. Why for Eric Carlson is there this other set of fucking rules every single time? 
Like, oh, he won the Norris. He didn't deserve it because he doesn't play defense. Players all voted for him, the Ted, Ted Lindsay. So apparently they all think that trade-off is fine. You retain salary on someone that boosts the value. Oh, Eric Carlson, you have to retain salary. That's going to somehow lower the value. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where this narrative comes from. Um, everyone loved Carlson when he's in Ottawa. The second he goes to a non-Canadian or non-original six team, all of a sudden he's public enemy number one. Who the hell knows? Um, but I think people are fucking full of it. I don't know. I I think I think he should get some good ass value. I don't disagree. I'm intrigued. Um, I do think Pittsburgh is a really good landing spot, though. So we will see. Uh, maybe this trade's been rumored for five months, six months, almost. I mean, essentially, it was around January where it's like, hey, it could get moved to the deadline, and now, oh, it could get moved to the draft. Oh, it might get moved before the start of the season. Time will tell. Yeah. You know, the hope is, well, we saw one player who was in that category finally get moved, and we'll talk about that in a second. Yep. Um, hopefully, though, hopefully it, it does work out. Uh, just double-checking, do we have any other questions? Who is the one player you wish played for your favorite team? And who is a player you wish never played for your favorite team? That comes from they won quick a cup. So we'll answer that first question first. One player that you wish played for your favorite team that never did. Hmm. What's funny about this for me is for the longest time, the answer was Rick Nash. And then he (laughs) was a Bruin. It was a magical time. I mean, the deal didn't work out. And Jerome McGinley as well. A lot of of those guys where I'm like, oh, that'd be cool. It actually happened. Yeah. That's a tough question. Very tough. Mm. Mm. Trying to think so we don't have too much dead air. <laughs> got one. Yeah. I got one. Uh, Colton Parakio. The reason why I wanted them on my team, because every fucking offseason for like three years, it was always like, oh, Parakio is a good option. Uh, swap him out for um, what's his name? Uh, God, who's the guy who Jake Gardner? Everyone's like, trade one for one, Colton Parecchio for for Jake Gardner. What? I mean, uh, hey, Jake Gardner was good at the time. Yeah. Yeah, but he was a scapegoat, so I guess that's why people wanted him on the team still. Fair. Sin, were you able to come up with one? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's a – yeah, it's too basic an answer, so I'm just going to – I'll go with Peter Forsberg. That's still a good answer. Yeah. Well, I was going to say McDavid, but that's too basic. (laughs) Yeah. And hey, you never know. He can come to the Sharks in the future. You never know. It could happen. (laughs) His career's not over, so give it time. Um, God damn. I'll be shocked if he stays in Edmonton. I hope he doesn't. (laughs) I really hope he doesn't at this rate. Um, Especially given the Oilers somewhat lackluster free agency time still don't have contracts with evan bouchard or uh cloud yet so that's fun um god damn can i say dominic Hoshik? <laughs> yeah why not like it's it's bound to be players like that it's like that or some of the more obscure maybe not so obscure but the not like the superstar names like peter sakura was the guy that i always really really love to uh 
to watch. It was never a Bruin. That's a bit of a loaded one. This one might be easier because you're not having to think about someone who played for up to 31 other teams aside from yours. Mm-hmm. Who was a player that you wish never played for your favorite team? Evander Kane. <laughs> so much fallout happened from that. All his bullshit. We couldn't keep Pavelski because of his contract. Ugh. Mm. Ugh. Oh, mm. God. Who is someone Dude. who I never I'd say you go first. I got nothing right now. All right. I'm, I'm trying because I, it's like, do I want to think of... Because there's so many different aspects you could you could think of it as, um, you know, the more the more serious side of things is like, well, well, Craig McTavish played for the Boston Bruins, and um, yeah, Craig Craig McTavish was involved in a very serious. Uh, incident in the mid 80s that uh, killed somebody so you're just like huh that that's a thing you could think of it from a draft pick perspective that did not make it like, I could be like I wish Zach Hamill never played for the Boston Bruins because it means instead of Zach Hamill maybe they would have taken the guy who went ninth overall immediately after Zach Hamill Logan Couture you could think of it from a free agency perspective, a trade perspective. Um, <laughs> God, what the hell? I'm blanking on his name right now. Who's the goon that the Bruins acquired from the Flyers for like two third round picks? Zach Ronaldo. <laughs> Zach, Zach Ronaldo might be my answer. Louis Erickson might be my answer because it means they never would have traded Tyler Sagan to the Dallas Stars. There's there's a lot of there's, I might have to go with the Louis Erickson one because the Sagan trade. You you just wonder what if Tyler Sagan was still a Bruin, what might have happened, in. Oh he was no was he, he was already gone by the, 2013 Cup run was he not? I believe he was because he was a part. No, so he was there in the 2013 Cup run and they lost. And then they dealt him like a, less than a month later to Dallas. So you think from like the 2014 season all the way through, what would the Bruins have looked like with Tyler saying, I'm, I'm going to go with Louis Erickson. It's not because I hate Louis Erickson, but because I hate who he was. I hate what he was traded for. <laughs> that guy was memed to out. death in Vancouver. Like it was actually insane how many memes in Vancouver there were about him. Jeez. <sighs> and oh, no, man. were you able to think of one? Uh, yeah, not played, but just drafted. Tyler Biggs. He I don't even know when out. he was drafted. Yeah, Tyler Biggs didn't play a single NHL game. Yeah. Um, let me see what else here. Four years in the A. Uh, 119 games played, 11 goals, 6 assists, 17 points total for four years. Holy shit. ECHL, five years, played 136 games, 40 goals, 47 assists, 87 points total. His most success that he ever had was in the GTHL U16. So before his draft, where he played 72 games and 86 points. When was he drafted by the Leafs? 2011. I was working, fun fact, I was working on a video before I left for Finland. 
and I honestly forgot about it until Endo just brought this up. Um, yeah, because Endo and I were going to make this video. And it was going to be, and I still might do this video, but essentially it was the idea of, like, okay, I have to name who the worst draft pick is from 2011 in the first round. And the answer was a tie between Tyler Biggs uh, at 22nd overall, and Minnesota took Zach Phillips at 28th, and they were the only two first-rounders to never play in an NHL game. Nice. Yep. Um, and, yeah, I mean, Tyler Big. not that that 2011 draft was great. Sure. Like, if the lead, well, in, in a sense, right? Because in that first round, that was Nugent Hopkins going first, Landeskog, Huberdeau, uh, Adam Larson, Zibanejad. Like, there were some great players in the first round. But in that first was, round, you yeah. also had Duncan Simons, Sven Bergsky, uh, Mark McNeil. I mean, Stefan Nason's had a decent career, but he hasn't lived up to first round, 21st overall caliber. Yeah. Matt Plumple, uh, Pemple, Plumple was in that draft. Stuart Percy, Nick Jensen. Like, it was a very hit or miss first round. To that point, the Leafs, like would have had a tough time hitting on that pick based on who was going next. Like, if they took Matt Plumple, it wouldn't have worked out. If they took, like, Philip Deneau would have been nice. Nemestikov would have been okay. But then it was just a very hit-or-miss draft to a certain point. And then... I mean, yeah. Know, the, what? To a certain point, but that top 10 was lights out. Yep. Yeah, but, I mean, their their pick was 22nd. Yeah, true, true, true. But uh. so that's all. That's that's just the only thought with that is like they had the twenty second pick. Like where else uh, would you have necessarily gone? Sven Berchi. I remember when he was supposed to be a top six beast in Vancouver. Yeah, poor guy. Actually, cool I think he question. suffered a bunch of concussions though. So yeah. Quick trivia question: Who are the top three high scorers from the twenty eleven entry draft? Ryan Nugent Hopkins. No, I know. Uh, I know the then. answer. So he's fifth. I don't. You said top ten. He's in the top. It's the top 10, three. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> top. If you want to do top ten, I can do top ten as well. No, it's no, fine. I, top ten. Do the top so, three. Top three. Again, I know the answer to this. Obviously, so does Endo. I'll have to yeah. pull up the goddamn list again so I could. So in in third. The Florida Panthers' third overall selection. A man they traded in the last calendar year. Yep. Jonathan Huberdeau. Oh, then it's got to be Landeskog after. No. Mm -hmm. The second is another. Well, I mean, Huberdeau's a current Calgary Flame. The second is a former member of the Calgary Flames. Jonathan Goudreau. Drafted oh, 104. Yeah. Fourth round. 104. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, and I then, had just done research for this, too. Um, and then number one, 58th overall by the Tampa Bay Lightning, Nikita Kucherov with 729 points in 644 games. Wow. What a draft. He's yeah. got everybody else beat by a lot. So, like I said, super, super up and down draft that year but I, I understand the Tyler Biggs pick because that's one that's always just kind of been viewed as like a super negative thing uh, for the Leafs and there, were, there was a string of it I mean god you talk about Leafs draft picks 
that's uh that's quite the rabbit hole essentially in terms of how things have not worked out so pain speaking of how things did not work out alex debrinkett is no longer a member of the <laughs> ottawa senators this was one of the two, along with Carlson, when it's like, okay, when is this actually going to happen? And we did finally get the answer. Debrinkit was acquired by Ottawa from Chicago on July 7th, 2022, in exchange for the seventh overall pick, became defenseman Kevin Korchinski, the 39th overall pick, forward Paul Ludwinski and a third-round pick in 2024. The Sens obviously did not make the playoffs this past season. DeBrinckit put up 66 points in 82 games. The trade on July 9th was Ottawa sending Alex DeBrinckit to Detroit and nothing else in exchange for forward Dominic Kubalik, defensive prospect Donovan Sabrango, a 2024 fourth round pick and a 2024 first, which is conditional. Detroit has the option to send their own pick or Boston's 2024 first. In the event that the Bruins first round pick is top 10, the Bruins can retain and transfer their 2025 instead. Detroit would then have the option of sending that 2025 unprotected pick or their own 2024 first. Um, this was viewed by a lot of people immediately as an outright L for the Ottawa Senators. So I want to talk about what this deal is for Ottawa, in my eyes at least. They went for it in acquiring Debrinkit. Of course, they signed Claude Giroux last free agency. They thought they were going to be better than what they were. They had some big injuries. I mean, Josh Norris especially played, like, what, six games? Less, I think? Yeah. Um, you had... Alex Formanton, who was viewed as a solid little piece for them that was banished away to Switzerland because, well, it's very much rumored that in terms of that 2018 Canadian team that he is at the top of that list. Why else would he magically be playing over in Europe? Apparently, yep. by the way, soon they say we're going to get an update on that and names are going to be named. So we'll see. Um, but regardless, that is a piece that wasn't there for them. Um, they went for it. It didn't work out. Yes, they gave up what turned out to be the seventh overall pick in Kevin Korchinski. I agree that at a base level, what they gave up is not worth what they have acquired back. Right? Because if you think about it, essentially, it is ADB, the seventh overall pick Korchinski, a second round pick in Ludwinski and a third for Kubalik, Sabrango, a fourth and a first. At base level, they lost. But you also, my rule is five years, man. At least five years for prospects. You Korchinski just don't know. could be awful. Exactly. Like the odds that oh, uh, oh, a seventh overall pick. Like there's there's no way that won't work out. But you can look at some of these more recent drafts. I even go back to 2012. You know who? You know what defensemen were in the top 10 in 2012? Ryan Murray, Griffin Reinhardt, oh, Morgan Riley, Hampus Lindholm, Matt Dumba, Derek Pouliot, 
Jacob Truba. That's not bad. Slater Cuckoo. Like, complete crapshoot in that particular draft. Let's pick 2017, for example. Defenseman. I mean, Jesus, there was only two in the top. Wow, okay. 2017 is not a good example. There were two defensemen in the top 10 in 2017. Mira Haskinen and Kale McCarr. <laughs> Yeah, there Not hasn't really a good been a, a defensive-focused draft in a while, to be honest. Yeah. 2015, Noah Hannafin, Ivan Provorov, Zach Wierenski went in the top 10. I mean, yeah, there are good chances that who you take could work out very well. But you could also land a, a Hayden Flurry, for example, who has just been okay. Um, it's just one of those things where, where you don't know. Yeah. And that's the point. Like, you know, Chicago still has a third round pick to use. Ottawa will have a first and a fourth to use at some point in the next year or two. You just don't know yet. I yeah. do agree that inherently they took a swing and they missed, but it could work out. Um, you know, especially for this season, Dominic Kubalik is not the worst replacement in the world. I don't think he's the player that the Brinkett is. But at the same time, uh, Pierre Dorian has gone on to speak about this. And apparently, um, as is usually the case, Chicago did not allow Ottawa to talk to Alex Dabrinkit about an extension before the trade. So they went huh. for it knowing that he was an RFA and thought, hey, maybe this will work out. And it didn't. I don't think Ottawa's wrong for that. Especially, too, I feel like in a prior era before a certain former owner. When the hell did they ever take chances like this? It always just seemed to be the bare minimum. We don't want to pay players. We're not going to take risks. If I'm a Sens fan, shit, the risk didn't work out, but at least we fucking took one. Yeah. And in terms of the return, Pierre Dorian also mentioned that, again, Ottawa didn't have any negotiating power. They really didn't. He wasn't going to sign there? He wasn't going to sign there. He uh, was not. And the, hmm. the word was out that it's like he wants to either go home to Michigan or wants to go and sin. you'll be happy about this. And I mentioned this on the show. Or he wanted to go to one of the cities, one of the states, with no income tax. They had no negotiating power whatsoever. So I think given the fact that they got a roster player, a prospect, who knows, and a first, I think they did okay given the circumstances, but they really and, didn't have any negotiating power, so I don't is, think it's inherently this fat L for Ottawa. Uh, this is the thing. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to go on a bit of a tangent because I'm a huge, huge fucking proponent of this bullshit. Um, he's, he, he said it out loud, did that he didn't want, that he wanted to go play to a state with no income tax, or was that, that was just kind of assumed? I think that was the report, like the word from, like the agent kind of put that out there. And so that's one of the first who's actually said that out loud. How many players are thinking that quietly? All of them. Like, that's what I'm saying, man. And people keep trying to tell me that, oh, the no state tax isn't as big of a deal as it seems. I I think that's bullshit. Like, it it is. There needs to be some kind of a salary cap implication for that. There has to be to balance it. If you're going to have a hard cap, then you have to take that into account. Like, that's just plain and simple i think you have to take that into account but anyway that's all i'm gonna say on that but yeah uh thanks for bringing it's that 100 going to continue to be an issue for these teams 
no. that are in these markets. And, and I said it three. It was a, three out of the four teams in the final four were teams with no state uh, state income tax. Yeah. Like this is flat out something the NHL is going to have to address in terms of how they structure their league. So that other teams, not just oh the small, oh the Arizonas of the world, the Buffalo, like, it, it's going to get to the point where there are teams. If it's not already there, I think it is in some circumstances. Really prestigious teams. Montreal is a good example, is it not? Where some guys are just like, eh. Like the money I'm going to have to take isn't necessarily worth it. Like they're going to have to do something to help some of these other teams be a little bit more competitive with that inherent advantage that teams based in states with no income tax have. Yeah. Uh, on top fact. of what we saw in the last Final Four, three of the last four cup winners have been from a, a state with no income tax. When's the next CBA agreement uh, coming up? That's a very good question. NHL yeah, CBA expiration. Uh, current CBA was extended through the 2025-2026 season. <laughs> We're going to have another lockout, boys. Let's go. Honestly, we could. We could. Yeah, I mean, this was this was extended um, during the COVID times. Uh, it was ratified August 1st, 2020. And, yeah, it goes through the 2026 season. Um, interestingly enough, I mean, just some of the some of the terms about the, the CBA were a little bit a little bit interesting in regards to this. Just I'm trying to read up on this as fast as I can. Um, but essentially, it's like, oh, the CBA extension. Here's a quote from one of the articles on NHL.com. Uh, ensures labor peace for NHL teams and players for six seasons. This will enable the league and the union to chart long-term plans for an international calendar and events, including the Winter Olympics, All-Star Game, Winter Classic, and Stadium Series. I'll be very intrigued to see if the NHL ends up going to the Olympics <laughs> next time up, too. Um, Ugh. I want yeah. them to. Yeah. There, there will likely be another. There will be another lockout. It's just is any game time lost from it. You can almost guarantee it. From the Detroit perspective of this trade, they did pretty good. You know, you yeah. give up a first, you give up Dominic Kubalik, but you get Alex Dabrinkit. You immediately resign him four years at just under seven point nine million dollars. He has a sixteen team no trade list that kicks in for years two through four. But if this first season were to be kind of rough, they could shop around a little bit and see what's out there. But I think Iserman made the most of the, I mean, he had the leverage in these negotiations. He did. And it helps the team a lot. Like their depth chart right now on cap friendly, again, it can change a lot. ADB, Dylan Larkin, David Perron. Pretty good top line, potentially. Uh, Robbie Fabry, if he can stay healthy. JT Comfer, who they signed to free agency, and Lucas Raymond. Uh, Michael Rasmussen, Andrew Kopp, Christian Fisher, Glim Costin, Joe Valeno, and Daniel Sprong, who they also signed in free agency. I do think they, on the forward side of things, like Dylan Larkin has a Wait lot a to prove about whether or not he's that big 1C. Clem Costin, I was told that he's going to Russia. He's 100% going to Russia, and the fact that Edmonton gave him away for free is no big deal. Huh. Wild. Yeah. Funny how that works out, isn't it? Signing rights, I guess. And if they can get him over there, they can. Huh. Yeah. I think Detroit did well. 
I think both of these teams are in the very interesting spot of trying to break through a very top Atlantic division. Um, if you view trades as whoever got the best player wins, then yes, Detroit wins. But again, I'm someone where it's like, man, give it time. You just don't know. I mean, there are there are trades out there, and you know, Cap Friendly is a great tool for this. They literally have a a trade section. And you can look up the the date range of these trades. So, I mean, we could go back to 2018 now at this point, right? And say, okay, what were some of the trades that happened in 2018? And how are they viewed now? And, again, you, you go back that far. And, obviously, hey, certain things, you know, certain things have changed, just a little bit in terms yep. of how things worked out. And I'm trying to bring up a couple of examples here. So uh, bear bear with me for a moment. But I'm trying to find a, a really good example of like, okay, what was a trade where it's like, nope, slam dunk for this team that didn't necessarily pan out that way. Turns out there were a lot of trades in 2018, especially around the draft. Jesus, I couldn't have picked a worse year for this. Holy hell, I'm floundering. Absolutely floundering here. It's great. Um, God, there were some weird trades in 2018, though. You guys have any recollection of Peter Morazic being a flyer? What? The hell did that? Huh? Yeah, so February 19th, 2018, third round picks. The Flyers picked up Peter Morazic. <laughs> He played 17 games and won in the playoffs and then went to Carolina. Huh? Weird. Very weird. But, you know, what I'll do instead of sitting here floundering is implore people. Like, go back, look at certain years, look at a trade now, particularly involving big names, because every year it's like, for example, there's a, a trade here of Andrew O'Brien from Mark McNeil, whatever. But every year you can go back and look at some of these deals and just be like, okay, what was this viewed at as the time versus well, shit, what is it viewed as now? And that idea of like, okay, oh, this team fleeced this team. It doesn't always age that way. For example, uh, Rick Nash. We mentioned him earlier. February 25th, 2018. Rick Nash acquired by the Boston Bruins at 50% retained salary for Matt Bolesky on 50% retained salary. Ryan Spooner, Ryan Lindgren, Ryan first and a seven. Y'all remember Spooner? <laughs> yeah, he's a he's yeah. a KHL legend now. I remember a few months, I think a few years ago, he posted something on Instagram like, "Hey, I need someone to teach me Russian." And then I said, "Like, hey, maybe fucking Polina can teach you Russian or whatever." He didn't get back to me. Oh, uh, but yeah. So this this Rick Nash trade is, I think, one of those interesting examples um again the bruins gave up matt Bolesky, was never anything for the rangers i mean once he went to the bruins essentially his career was done ryan spooner didn't stick around in the league for too much longer they did give up ryan lindgren who is still with the rangers to this day solid player a first round pick though that became jacob bernard docker which means hey that pick was involved in another trade <laughs> and that's the point these trades can just keep happening so you just you never know and actually i'm trying to find out what the hell this uh this 
trade was involving the Bernard Docker pick, and unfortunately, Cap Friendly is kind of uh, Dockers, failing me Dockers. a little bit here. But yeah, it's just one of those things. Like you, you never know how a, a draft is, or how a trade, or a draft, for that matter, is going to age. I am damn well determined to find this pick um, that Ottawa acquired for Bernard Docker, number five. So it was. Uh, let's see. Uh, the trade that sent Pittsburgh's first round pick 22nd overall to the Rangers in exchange for the Rangers. All right. So basically, the Rangers traded up and landed Keandre Miller. And Ottawa mm-hmm. dropped back a few spots and picked up Jacob Bernard Docker. So you could argue that deal worked out pretty well for the Rangers. Ryan, you know, Ryan Lindgren make another deal, get Keandre Miller. It's two parts of their defense right there. Yeah. Rick Nash on 50% retained salary. Could have worked out well for the Bruins. Maybe it did. Just go back. Look. Inform yourself, because things aren't always as they appear. Other quick things, because again, there isn't too much, but hey, somehow we found a way to make the show an hour. Uh, Anze Kopitar signed an extension in Los Angeles for much less than what Anze Kopitar should be getting paid. So good for the Kings on that. Um, he's got one year left of $10 million this year, and then it drops down to $7 million for two years after that. Uh, not quite taking the Bergeron discount, but I don't blame him. The San Jose Sharks landed Philip Zadina. In a 4D chess move by Mike Greer, by the way. The sixth overall pick in the previously mentioned 2018 draft, who really wasn't working out for the Detroit Red Wings, uh, has a career high of 24 points in 74 games. It's put through waivers. Nobody claims him and ultimately signs a deal with the Sharks, one year, $1.1 million, the reclamation project though, right? of Philip yeah. Sedina. Uh, um, no, contract no. termination. Unconditional yeah. waivers, contract termination afterwards. He agreed oh, to you... terminate his deal. Oh, he agreed <clears throat> to terminate. Wait, oh. Yeah, you have to go, you have to agree with the, the team and the player slash. Uh, oh, because they were just going to bury him. Okay, okay. The ma- yeah. Okay. Yeah, so he. Uh, had two years left on his deal in Detroit at eight point or one point eight two five, excuse me, um, and would have had a qualifying offer. Cap friendly uh, estimates at about two point two million once that deal expired. So, so he gave up money to bet on himself. I like it. I like yes, that he fire. Did. He's always had that fucking confidence, man. He walks into a room, his dick's already been there for five minutes. Remember what he said at the draft? No. <laughs> Hopefully you that. Don't- Oh, because like I'm pretty sure like Montreal passed on him, and he's like, I'm going to be filling their net with goals. Yeah, <laughs> he was the one that said that. Yeah, so with Ottawa and Montreal, he said he's going to fill their net with pucks because they passed up on him because he wanted to go there. Yeah. Well, so, so far that hasn't happened, but yeah, he hasn't yet. And uh, <laughs> but I, I'm happy with it because I really wanted him. You guys, I'm on. You probably, if anyone follows me on Twitter, you see me when he was passing. You know. Going through waivers, I was like, you got to pick this guy up. When he gets through unscathed, I did that. Everyone disliked that. And then, <laughs> mm. but then he got signed for 1.1 by Mike Greer. Everyone liked that. I do think it's a pretty good spot for him to try to, you know, rehab a little bit. And if he catches fire, might seem unlikely, but if he catches fire, it's a very tradable contract to a team that might want to add, you know. Mm-hmm a player of his caliber to their roster for a playoff push. Yeah. Or, especially with RFA contract control, or maybe he hangs around in San Jose. It's it's really no risk for the Sharks. Yeah. 
I mean, it's exactly what they need to be doing right now is, okay, mm -hmm. some of these younger guys who didn't work out elsewhere, who can we bring here, and can they turn it around? Yeah, and this is the right time to do it. I remember we did that. We've done that in the past with, like, Mikhail Bodker and stuff, but at the time we're trying to win, and you're like, we're going to sign Mikhail Bodker. Maybe he could be a good piece, and then he's not, and you're like, oh, fuck. Like, yeah. and then you don't have cap to bring in other stuff. So I like what my Greer is doing. And, and the most important thing is he's doing it at the right time. There was the uh, controversy in Vancouver surrounding Ian Cole. Not his and fault. And him choosing the number 28. Um, for those who somehow missed this, um, of course, the, the Vancouver Canucks. I had to look this up. I had to look up what the fuss was about because I did not remember this. But yeah, yeah, this is on this is on the organization. Like retire the 100%. number or something then. Like <laughs> the Vancouver Canucks had a young player uh by the name of Luke Bordeaux, who wore the number twenty eight um with the team. He was twenty one years old in two thousand eight when he died in a motorcycle accident. Yeah. And no one had worn the number since. But the Canucks had not officially retired it. So Ian Cole, who has worn the number 28 for most of his career, I think um, I can look up NHL numbers to see if he's worn anything else. Um, I know he's now going to wear the number 82 after this. Um, but Ian Cole signs with the team. And is going to play. And indeed has worn the number 28 as much as he possibly can. Hockey reference, for those who don't know, always have up what jersey they've worn and with what team. Outside of being a rookie with the Blues, where he wore 23, he has always worn the number 28. So he just goes to take his normal number. And a lot of people are like, ah, uh, how dare you? He releases a statement saying, hey, nope, I'm going to change it. I didn't know. I'm sorry. And now he's going to wear 82. And yeah, so that's that's my biggest takeaway. It's just that idea of man that the Vancouver Canucks set this guy up to failure. Like for the most part, people seem to be cool about the fact that like, hey, honest mistake. It's just that idea of how the hell did the team? You couldn't you couldn't have known that the idea of like, oh, if someone chooses this number, that there would be some backlash towards it. You could at that point. Why isn't the number already retired? And it should be moving forward. Like the, the best time to retire it was 10 years ago. The second best time is now mm -hmm. after something like this. Um, yeah, hopefully Ian Cole didn't catch too much negative flack out of it. But it was just one of those weird things where it's just like how, why. I don't know. But hopefully, uh, again, maybe just one of the offseason stories that gets blown up a little bit too much. But yeah, they put Ian Cole in a really bad spot. Hopefully they uh, have learned from it a little bit. Um, and then two other things. Uh, Endo, this one affects the Leafs. Um, yeah. One of the big talking points of the past week, Ronnie Hirvin in, in Leafs developmental camp uh, gets lit up on a hit. Um, my, my take on this, anytime, and I get the idea of like, oh, it's a scrimmage, and you gave a guy a concussion, simmer down. Anytime you put young players in a position to try and impress, the physicality isn't going to disappear. Mm -mm. It's just not. The Sharks if had multiple fights at like development development games like a couple years ago. 
the guy that hit Ronnie Hirvinen uh, is named Nolan Dillingham. Perhaps Dillingham. Um, who played for the Sarnia Sting. He's 21 years old. Undrafted. He's actually the captain of the Sarnia Sting. Yep. That guy isn't going to... He had 14 points in 45 games as an overager. Like, offense isn't how he's going to stand out. Also, like, he had 65 penalty minutes that season as well, too. So, he I don't want to say he's a goon, but he is... He's a physical player. He's a physical player. He's a physical guy. If you only, like... If you don't have that, that like, elite-level NHL offense to stand out, and you yeah. know, a lot of these guys in the NHL, like, we always kind of talk about it, too, right? The jokes of NHL fourth-liners are... They show up to any rink... They're going to be the most skilled guys in a pickup scenario. It's yep, just hey, anyone. That's, no, that's not, not the role that you play. So you're not going to see uh, any of those guys <clears throat> try to, you know, show off their Datsu compression. Yeah. yeah, not even NHL. If it's AHL, NHL, anyone getting played pro, like get, being paid for money, you can tell immediately when they're on the ice. This guy's a pro level player. I had a skate yesterday. That's uh, funny enough with a bunch of ECHL guys. Uh, some guys were in, like, Wichita and some other places as well. And you can tell those guys, they were they were there to, like, the play. But they weren't physical. When they were on each other, they, they played hard. But when it's another guy who's not at that level, per se, they still played aggressive. But they didn't, like, check or, you know, do something anything crazy about that. They were really aware of their surroundings kind of thing. And this is a crazy – this is a very, very bad decision from the guy from – Nolan to go and make that hit too because you see after he makes the hit he just kind of skates around I mean I think at that point you know like oh shit yeah but at the same time again like what else is he supposed to do like you're there to prove like hey I'm worth the look Mm -hmm. and if you're more of a defensive defenseman more of a physical threat the idea of well it's a scrimmage so don't be overly physical it's like well then how the fuck am I supposed to stand out because yeah. my game isn't the offensive side of things. Like, it's just inherent. Even if it's a scrimmage, if it's dev camp, it's a physical sport. It is inherent that incidents like this are going to pop up mm-hmm. where someone's trying to make an impression and makes the wrong play at the wrong time that unfortunately results in someone getting hurt. But it's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't view this as some cardinal sin that the guy broke. It's just like he what else are you supposed to do there. to make that impression? Like he wasn't headhunting. He it was just a, a normal hockey play that resulted in a situation. And the one thing as well that I noticed is people were saying, Oh, concussion, concussion. It's like do people forget how a concussion actually happens? I believe he did suffer a concussion, but Yeah. But the methodology of any like contact or hit, even if it's all towards the body can result in a concussion because of how the brain hits. A concussion is basically what happens when there's trauma to the brain itself, whether it be for like like a blast, like an air blast kind of thing that has caused a concussion. It could be direct contact, like being hit on, or it could be your brain literally fucking hitting the back of your skull from like whiplash moments. Those are the three types of concussions. And two of those happen in hockey more often than not. And it doesn't matter if you hit the head. As long as you hit the body and the head goes and the head moves, there's a higher risk of, uh, of a concussion happening regardless. And, like, they have stuff in place with helmets and everything to keep things, you know, relatively intact. But th- there's no 
there's no 100% guarantee that if you play a contact sport, you are not going to get a concussion. Yeah. Flat out, 100%. No matter how safe you are with the level of play that's contact is at, it's going it, to it's, – it's sad to say that it's going to happen, but hopefully it doesn't happen. We've seen star players have concussions as well too, like over like middle – nothing hits. Like I've had a concussion off of just getting like ran into – uh, and the, the guy didn't even hit my head. He, he ran into my chest, and I was like down on the ice for like like ten minutes. And it, that, that's the thing. Like you don't know how it's gonna happen, and it's unfortunate that it happened. But it's also kind of part of the sport. Yeah, it shouldn't be, but yeah. The last thing to talk about is a story that broke today. <laughs> um, a few hours ago, the Arizona Coyotes tweeted out uh, that they had placed forward Alex Galchenyuk on unconditional waivers for the purpose of terminating his contract, uh, with the club stating they would have no further comment at the time. This after signing Galchenyuk less than two weeks ago. Katie Strang, who covers the Coyotes, we have mentioned her a ton on this show, um, sent this out. Uh, Scottsdale Police Department has confirmed to The Athletic that Alex Galchenyuk was arrested on July 9th on a number of charges including private property hit and run, disorderly conduct, failure to obey, resisting arrest, threatening or intimidating. Ooh. Um, I can't necessarily blame anybody if their first reaction is to dunk on the guy. Because for me, it's it's one of those things um, where, by the way, it was confirmed that there was only property damage. No one else was hurt or anything like that. He was booked into the city jail on Sunday night, released the following morning, um, and obviously got to go through the legal system now. I saw a lot of the re- initial reaction was to dunk on this guy of what an idiot for me, I, I just can't help but go to the standpoint of what the hell is going on with them. Yeah. And it's such a fine line between like that line of, of mental health issue and shit going on versus you're just an entitled douche is very thin. Yeah. Because so often that first part feeds the other part. Where that line is for people versus this is just an entitled douche being a douche versus the side that I'm on where I'm just like, man, I wonder what's going on with that guy. Not that it justifies the behavior, mm-hmm. but I wonder what's yeah. going on with that guy. Because this just, you know, it, it makes you wonder. And, you know, right now there's no word in regards to whether or not drugs or alcohol were involved. Um Katie Strang had a follow-up tweet. Um, uh, she said, quote, asked if the NHL was consulted prior to the Coyotes' decision to place him on unconditional waivers. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly said the team, quote, made us aware of the events immediately, and we made ourselves available to consult on their options. The NHLPA is reviewing the matter. As others have reported, uh, the NHLPA has 60 days from the date of contract being terminated to decide whether or not to file a grievance. So we're going to hear more about this in the, the coming months. Um that's just my thought. Like, yeah, on one hand, you want to be like, what an idiot. What the fuck are you doing? But at the same time, it's like I, my initial reaction was to look more at the human side of just like, I hope that guy's all right. And at the very least, an incident like this, no one was seriously hurt. 
and at least it might serve as a wake-up call whether or not again regardless of what side of the line he's on hopefully it's a wake-up call of like you're not in a good spot yeah now the one thing i'm wondering is does he classify i know his contract is negated with the nhl um like he's been dropped he's he's dropped from uh from the coyotes yeah i i wonder if he's eligible for the nhlpa wellness and safety program or whatever it's probably called i would presume so yeah because i indeed yeah i think that's definitely something he needs to do and step up and be a part of that because um, if as, as far as I know, the NHLPA program covers NHL contracts and yeah, just NHL contracts and the PHPA covers minor and semi pro. OK, yeah, just checking in my head. Uh, yeah, he, I think the one thing if he can step into that program, I think the one thing he definitely needs to step into that program, who knows, whatever, because it's not even just there's just in so many things with him, you know, drop into so many different teams like, we don't know the full story of it, everything, obviously, as well. So I don't want to jump to conclusions. But I think that might be something he might need to take. Not even for, like, anything. Just, you know, you have the resources there with the NHL and the NHLPA. You might as well use them while you have them, while you have the chance to, before things get worse. It's just uh, it's just kind of a bummer. That's the only yeah. reaction that I have at this stage. Gentlemen, with that, I think we are caught up as end of the One thing I was going to say, to end on a light note, the Maple Leafs Sports Entertainment, the parent company of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Marlies, Toronto Raptors, uh, Toronto Argonauts, yes. TFC. All the Toronto teams. <laughs> all the Toronto teams, all the major Toronto teams, except for the Blue Jays, because Jesus Christ. Uh, they got into some hot water. Over the past week and a half, I believe, uh, they owe $1 million in property tax because they don't think that the uh, one of the fields that they operate on, BMO Field, is their prop their their property tax to pay on, which is funny. Considering everyone's talking about how Arizona wants to move, Arizona has to move because they can't pay their bills, but you have to leave so $1 million in tax. I mean... At that point, it's a write-off for a company that big, <laughs> right? That's I think a the, rounding error. A million bucks. Yeah. But. So their re- their reasoning behind it is because they have a joint deal with the city of Toronto, and their reasoning is, well, we kind of co-own the teams, but we don't use it the entirety year round, so we pay per team, so we don't deserve to pay the property tax because they they have an agreement where they they're paying for it when they're not when they're only using it in the season. So that's hmm. nine months out of the year they're using the field. Which, I mean, sure, but you co-own the fucking thing. When I want to rent out the arena, it doesn't go to the city of Toronto. It goes to Maple Leaf Sports Entertainment. I don't have a reaction to this other than just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest. <laughs> Gentlemen, with that. I think our weekly our weekly dive has come to a close. Sin, it's good to have you back, buddy. Thank you. What do you got going on now that you're home? Yeah, getting ready to launch some series on my YouTube again. I'll probably have a franchise mode coming. I've been thinking about what to do. <laughs> but I'll hopefully be able to start that this weekend. And I 
have recorded uh, Civilization Five series. Not all of it yet, but I'm pretty much almost done with the game. I spent eight hours playing and recording yesterday. So Jesus, that's how that's going. And then uh, see what else I want to do. <laughs> I'll probably <laughs> probably continue the uh, the Xbox 360 live the life that I was doing as well because. Wasn't getting a ton of views, but I was having a lot of fun with it, and that's what's most important. So that's what I got going on. Fair enough. Endo, what's up? Uh, nothing much. Uh, I'm still trying to brainstorm my idea that I have for franchise. Uh, about basically the general idea is I position lock myself on like an SHL team and use the season mode that they have over there and just play a whole season with a random SHL team that moved the DEL and then the SM League. Uh, just just go through that kind of thing. I feel like no one really touches that in franchise mode, in season mode at all. They just kind of play franchise and don't really touch anything else. And so I think it'll be a lot of fun to play in those smaller leagues, per se, and make a series out of it. And, yeah, I think I'm going to try and figure out how to make uh, content off of that. I might actually stream for once. Uh, on YouTube and go from there. Yeah. Be able to catch both of these two playing some NHL 2K10 on the nightly streams as well. Oh, yeah. It's been a good time. With that, everybody, you know where to find us at this point. It's the summer. We'll be back next week. Damn it. It's one a week season because there is no hockey season. We will see you all very soon. Goodbye. <laughs>